You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Today's interview is part of Radio WNET's project on the Bucharest 9, the countries of NATO's eastern flank. Our guest is Yevhen Sepulenko, Estonian law professor, expert in international law. Political Periscope. My name is Evgen Sobulenko. I'm professor of international law, teaching in Tallinn Technical University Law School and also in Kiev International University. Also, I'm ex-head of Ukrainian community in Estonia. How long have you been in Tallinn? Yeah, almost for 20 years. Almost 20 years working here. Okay, uh, today the NATO exercises... Uh, are starting here in Estonia. What can you say about it? How do you think it will affect the current situation, current relations with Russia and uh, current security level here in Estonia? Yeah, it will definitely increase the level. Uh, I actually was the very enthusiastic about joining of all countries of the region to the NATO, including Finland, Sweden for many years. It was actually a uh, Uh, a lot of discussions with my Finnish and Swedish friends. I always uh, foster in such a possibility. Uh, for many years in Finland, uh, there was a very skeptical attitude to the uh, joining of the NATO. But now, after the escalation of Russian aggression uh, to Ukraine, the uh, situation changed dramatically, as you know, because everybody understood finally that uh, Russia is very dangerous uh, and not simply potentially dangerous, it's a direct danger to all neighbors and uh, clearly NATO is a zone of stability and security because even for many years of Cold War, even Soviet Union never directly attacked any NATO member and clearly Russia also does not have neither military nor economic capacity to confront NATO. So that's why it's clearly increased security in the region. Uh, additionally, uh, we should clearly understand that uh, joining of uh, Finland and uh, Sweden to NATO will uh, help to ensure security of Baltic states as well because it will cover our northern flank, let's say, because before that uh, there was certain uh, problems with uh, Swalki Corridor, which was pretty narrow, and it was quite easier for Russian forces to cut uh, Poland from Baltic states through the Swalki Corridor, directing Kaliningrad, former Königsberg. But now it will be much easier. Uh, NATO will have a possibility to also use uh, Finland and uh, Finnish and Swedish airfields uh, to provide uh, close air support uh, in case of uh, necessity. Uh, so it's definitely a very positive move, I believe. Okay, uh, you've touched the subject of uh, Finland and Sweden joining NATO. Estonia was one of the, I would say, probably most uh, interested in it uh, countries, right? Uh, Estonia is uh, Finland's very close ally and they cooperate very, very closely. How is it received here in Estonia? What people think about it? Yeah, according to my understanding, uh, the, the reception is very warm and uh, people... Uh 
think more or less the same as I explained in the previous question. So basically everybody uh, understand that it's a very positive move which clearly uh, increased the security in the region. So basically it's very useful uh, both for NATO and for uh, Finland and Sweden. Historically actually Sweden was always a very close friend and supporter of Estonia especially after the collapse of Soviet Union. Uh, Finland was uh, one of the countries which uh, very actively supported Estonia in basically all fields, including the uh, military field. And of course, uh, in NATO, the cooperation will be even more close and extensive. And what about Russians? There are many Russians, a significant Russian minority here in Estonia. How do they act in this situation? How do they act uh, in light of war, uh, Russian aggression on Ukraine, uh, Finland, Sweden joining NATO, uh, NATO forces exercising here in, in Estonia? And what do they do? Are they visible? Well, uh, it's not so simple question because uh, the Russian community here is pretty diverse. Uh, of course, there are some Russians uh, who are fully integrated in Estonian society. Uh, they are citizens of Estonia. Uh, very often uh, they, uh, as I said, pretty well integrated and they have uh, understanding of the situation pretty similar to Estonians. But uh, unfortunately, we should definitely uh, mention that still there is a pretty significant part of Russian population here uh, who are still uh, not integrated, uh, fully brainwashed by Russian propaganda, because actually before the uh, 24th of February this year, all Russian uh, TV channels were fully available here, so uh, and they were brainwashing the local Russian population day by day. Uh, furthermore, a lot of uh, local Russians were not integrated, they uh, didn't speak Estonian, so that's why they were fully in this uh, Russian media environment. And of course, uh, quite significant part of such people, they are pro-Russian. Actually, we should also understand that there are pretty significant part of such people, they have Russian citizenship or even, or they are stateless persons. Uh, with Estonian residence permits, and of course uh, their attitude to NATO is uh, traditionally hostile. But uh, hopefully uh, they could not uh, influence anyhow Estonian uh, politics or whatsoever, so that's why they simply unhappy on their kitchens and that's it basically. Were there any pro-Putin, pro-Russian military forces uh, demonstrations here? Uh, not really. Uh, actually, there were a lot of discussions before the 9th of May, but uh, Estonian state actually adopted the new law, prohibited uh, uh, demonstration of all uh, pro-Putin, pro-military symbolic, uh, and there was also very clear signal from the government. It was clearly announced that any pro-Putin, pro-Russian or pro-war demonstrations will not be tolerated anyhow. Uh, actually, after that uh, situation was pretty calm, there were several uh, minor provocations. Uh, for example, in, in Norway, it's the northern eastern part of Estonia. Some people actually make painting of these Z letters on the walls. Uh, 
Some people used also the so-called Georgian strip or whatsoever, but it was pretty isolated incidents. And in the majority of cases, then police addressed people to remove these Georgian strips or whatsoever. People actually obeyed without any problems. I think there were only a dozen of the cases then people uh, did not obey to the police and uh, after that they were fined or kind of punished uh, according to administrative procedure. But as I said, it was very isolated uh, incidents. I think altogether it was kind of a couple of hundred situations Then people have this uh, symbols and only 10 or 20 situations then indeed police uh, started the administrative procedure. Administrative procedure. Okay, and the last question, Ukrainians here, uh, what is the Ukrainian community here uh, like uh, and uh, how the Ukrainian refugees here were accepted? Uh, are there many of them? Uh, yes, actually, uh, Ukrainian community was the second biggest national minority here in Estonia after Russians. And even before the war, it was pretty active. Uh, as I have mentioned, I was ex-head ex of the Ukrainian community in Estonia. Uh, it was uh, approximately 20,000 Ukrainians here. Then visa-free regime uh, was introduced probably since then. 20 more thousand people came here and now after the escalation of Russian aggression from February it's more than uh, 30,000 refugees here uh, so for such small countries Estonia it's a pretty significant number I understand that comparing to Poland it's probably very uh, modest uh, uh, numbers but we should always keep in mind that Estonia it's a country with population 1.33 million people only it's uh, kind of several times less than Warsaw, for example. And for, for Estonia, of course, such number of, of people is pretty significant. But Estonia tried to make its best to provide all conditions to refugees. Uh, they tried to put them to hotels, uh, provide them decent accommodation, not to keep them in the sports halls or schools or something like that. Uh, so, uh, and the Ukrainian community, of course, uh, local, uh, very actively supports all Estonian efforts. There are a lot of Ukrainian volunteers who help uh, to Ukrainian refugees to be uh, integrated to the Estonian society. Uh, not only in Estonia directly, they have shuttles to Ukrainian-Polish border, for example, to pick people there and bring them here. Uh, also to send a lot of uh, assistance to Ukraine. Uh, basically, uh, I had conversation with my friends about some medical supplies, and they told me that all medical warehouses in Estonia simply empty. You could not find even medical scissors or something like that because everything is almost cleaned and sent to you to Ukraine. Um, and in general, Estonia, if we will uh, take uh, uh, support by GDP and the first place in the world, it's approximately 0.8% of Estonian GDP, so it's uh, the, the biggest number. And even in the absolute numbers, of course, it's changing more or less every day, but Estonia 
keeping in mind how small Estonia is, it was on the eighth place in the world. Now it's, I think, twelfth place in the world. And if we are talking about specifically military assistance, again, in absolute figures, even uh, on some stages, Estonia was the second after the United States. Now it's also, I think, fifth or sixth. But uh, as I said, for such small countries, really absolutely impressive figures. Okay, thank you very much. My pleasure. This was the Political Periscope. The podcast is released every Thursday at 7 p.m.